Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic episode 173. Today we've got Emily White in the house. Uh, before we get into today's episode, I'd like to give major thanks to our sponsor, Liquid Web. And, you know, Liquid Web, they've been around for many, many years. They've been well known as a managed hosting company with tons of options. But most recently, they've designed a managed WordPress offering that's perfect for mission critical sites. So if you're running one of those mission-critical sites and you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner that you've been looking for. Now, every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iTheme Sync integrated into their management portal. And what this means is you can update several sites with a single touch. So if you sign up today using the discount code WPTONIC33, you'll get a 33% discount for the next six months on your managed WordPress hosting account. Visit liquidweb.com slash WordPress to get started and use the coupon code WPTONIC33. And with that, Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do. All right. So um, Emily White, I am here in San Antonio, Texas. I run Emily White Designs which is a partnership between myself and developer Greg Young. I function as the designer and the project manager. Um, And what we do is we specialize in custom uh, WordPress websites. And we, within that, specialize in the Genesis framework. So we work with Genesis to to design and develop those sites. Um, Most of our clients are kind of large bloggers whose main source of income is their website, and they may have some... Um, goals or unique challenges that we try to help them, you know, point them to solutions or create solutions to help them meet their business goals. We also work with professionals, some small businesses. Um, We're actually just wrapping up a university site, which was a totally new thing for us. Um, But yeah, that's kind of what we do. We've been, Greg and I have partnered for about the last four years, but I've been working with WordPress for probably about seven to eight years. So very nice. Yeah. I also want to introduce my co-host, Jonathan Denwood. Jonathan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, hi there, folks. So I'm uh, the founder of WP Tonic. We're a maintenance service company that, that only deals with WordPress. We're your trusted partner, John, aren't we? Definite. And I'm John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design, and I provide custom WordPress development and local SEO for blue collar industries. Uh, one thing I we always like to ask our guests, Emily, is, you know, the origin of Emily White Designs. How did you first uh, come to be designing and developing websites? How, how did that come about? Um, so I started kind of working with the web uh, back in about 2007. Um, I had just had my third child. So I have three daughters and my youngest was just born. And um, 
I don't know, kind of looking, maybe not even looking for a business so much as just a um, new hobby type of thing. And this was back in the earlier days of blogging when it seems like every mom or family or, or individual was trying their hand at having a blog. So I did the same. I started a sort of just a family blog to update our family about what we were doing, our family scattered around the country. And um, then I wanted to go beyond just writing on the blog and figure out how do I you know, tinker with the, the look of the blog or change the header. Um, and this was all back on Blogger at the time. Um, and I found that I sort of had a knack for that. And I like to get in there and figure out how code worked. Or um, I got a copy of Photoshop and started playing around with learning that. And then it's really just sort of spread. I started doing the same for other friends, um, eventually took on my first paying client. Um, and then I worked sort of in that Blogger space for probably almost three years before I realized that there was this whole other you know level that i could take this to um i had someone come to me and say hey do you work with wordpress and i said uh sure i do <laughs> not really knowing what i was going to get into first time ever working with you know ftp or understanding how any of that worked um but jumped in when i first moved to wordpress i worked with the thesis framework um and then after a bit found genesis and have kind of stuck with that ever since um yeah, it just really grew organically, all sort of word of mouth, um, and it became a, a full-time enterprise for myself, so. Definitely. So you say, I mean, and what I noticed on your site, too, is is you target, like, a lot of bloggers or people who um, rely on their website for their income, like it is, like, their main uh, source of revenue. How did you find that market? Did you experiment with different targeting, like different people, or did that just sort of evolve? Yeah, it was really just sort of an organic process and really just sort of evolved. Um, I've never really done any sort of active marketing of myself, um, aside from the typical kind of being involved, being a presence online, you know, networking with certain people, but it's, um, it was really just sort of a matter of getting that first client who led to the next, who led to the next. One of the great things about um, working for bloggers, which is mostly what I do, is that they have these great internal networks. So all of my clients are part of mastermind groups or Facebook groups or you know their own readership, and they talk to one another. So when you can sort of um, make a name in a sort of in a certain blogging niche, they will talk to their friends, um, and so like in the last few years, we've done a whole lot of work for sort of healthy living or healthy food bloggers, um, natural parenting, that sort of thing. And that really wasn't by any sort of design of mine, but just that they, you know, have referred me to their, their colleagues or their friends. Um, and I found that they're a, a good group to work with. I've enjoyed kind of working in that space. So been fortunate that I haven't you know, it, it, I sort of lucked into it and it's been a good space for me and I've been happy there. So. No, definitely. I mean, you do some great work. Um, you, you know, one thing that really struck me about your site too is uh, it, it just makes me so curious. Like, you know, you have always gotten just referrals um, from existing customers because one thing that, that I didn't see on your site, maybe I just missed it, but there's there's no blog and like a lot of people like have like a, a blog um yeah. on there so so you know what are your thoughts on content marketing and 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 you know thoughts on that and how it fits into your marketing 
So I think it, a blog can absolutely be one of your greatest tools for content, mar you know, a content marketing. Um, honestly, for myself, I haven't gotten to the point where I've needed that. And I work, you know, it's, it's myself and it's Greg and I haven't wanted to grow it beyond that. And like I mentioned, I have three kids. Um, they have busy lives. I wanted to create for myself a business that, that I was happy with, that I could live with, that my family constraints could, you know, work within. Um, so I think if I was wanting to um, create more of an agency or bring on other people or we needed to generate more work, I would definitely want to explore that. Um, so I will recommend that to everyone. <laughs> it's advice that I haven't taken for myself. Um, honestly, it's just been a, a matter of not feeling like I have the time to, to really do what I would want with that. Um, not to say that I won't ever you know, explore that or get to the point um, where I'll need that. Um, but for now, you know, we're typically booked out several months in advance and we're, you know, in fact, turning away work. So we've been fortunate at this point to not have to go and actually try to attract people or, or seek out jobs. No, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, let's start with that. Like when it, when it came to like, uh, you know, kind of like growing your, your client base, um, was it, did you ever like struggle at first, like just finding a clients that, um, let's say, like had you know the necessary budget to to uh, hire you, or or did you um, just always like have like a sense of of how to price your services? So that's definitely been a process, and in the beginning, I will be the first to admit that I was not charging enough, and that's why I was so busy initially. Is like we were a great bargain, um, and it took me a while. Um, until I, you know, spoke with people who'd been doing this longer or listened to their expertise or, you know, hearing people on podcasts and stuff, realizing, you know, it's time to really like claim that, you know, I am a professional and I, this is what I'm doing and I can, I can command those, you know, higher prices. And when I started to take myself more seriously and price my services accordingly, it was amazing the effect it had in weeding out sort of those bad prospects or, um, attracting those better clients. So that's definitely been a process. In the beginning, I would, you know, allow myself to be taken advantage of. I would price my services too low. I was always busy, but that wasn't necessarily a good thing because, um, you know, I, I was doing work at a price point that really wasn't fair to us. Um, I think we've really grown with that. And I feel like we're in a, a good spot now. Um, I don't have a problem turning someone away if their budget isn't right for me because I know there are so many providers out there who are probably a better fit for what they need. Honestly, everyone doesn't need a custom WordPress website. And if someone comes to me and they really aren't a good fit for that, I'll tell them that like, this isn't a good investment for your business right now. Here's, you know, I recommend you get set up with, you know, a studio press site or work with someone over here that can get you on just a basic theme or something. Um, but we've sort of carved out this little niche for us that there are people who are looking for that. And I'd rather, kind of wait for those folks to come along that, that we are a good fit for in that. So when it comes to finding that sweet spot um, for your pricing, <clears throat> did you have to like kind of push up the price first or, or like gradually or, or did you just like kind of jump up all at once? And did you notice like a change in your client base? Did people start to drop off or? Yeah, it's definitely been incremental changes. Um, 
I can't think of one, you know, major jump. It would be um, just over the years, maybe a couple times a year, I would say, okay, I'm going to kind of adjust my starting at price and we'll see what happens. And I would always think, oh, this is it. I'll never get another inquiry. And that's never been the case, honestly. Um, it's, it's actually, I think, led to better quality inquiries um, and better quality clients in a lot of respects. I think there is something to it that when you take yourself seriously and present yourself as a professional, others get confidence in you and respect you um, even more for doing so. I mean, I think we've all seen that where something is a little too cheap to believe and we're just, we don't feel as confident purchasing or hiring that person because it seems like too good of a, of a bargain. We're not really sure what we're going to get from them from that. So um, yeah, I haven't hit that spot. Sometimes, you know, you'll bump it and you'll see a little bit of a lull for a while, especially when people who are used to working with you or Maybe they told their friends, you know, what your prices were, and then they come to you and, oh, you're a little higher now. Um, so you may get a little bit of pushback initially, but I find that if you give it a little bit of time, it sort of adjusts again, and those inquiries keep coming in. So You hit on a great point there. Um, something you said is, is the clients that you have right now are going to refer people to you. But something that I've noticed, too, is they're usually right around the same caliber, of client and so when they come to you they you know might say oh your you know rates are different now um you know something i heard jeffrey zeldman say uh one time on his podcast was um he he had a big deal uh like that and they they passed on it and they came back later and uh they had doubled the price in between that time and they asked about it and he just said our rates have changed and that's all that you need to say sometimes because if people really want to work with you they'll really want to work with you um when it comes to you know customer service and and like your process for say like onboarding and communicating with clients you know what does that look like um do you mean once they've kind of become a client or kind of scoping out or yeah, it was definitely like walk us through that. Like, the, how do you, how do you um, decide like who gets to be a client, and then what happens next? Sure. So I really try to do as much as as I can um, upfront, so that the inquiries I get are already sort of pre qualified. So a few things that I do with that is I try to be, um, I try to present myself on my website, what it is that we offer. I do publish sort of a. a starts at price. I don't give a listing or a menu of services, but I say, hey, you know, if you want to work with me, this is sort of where we're at. Um, at this point, we're only doing custom sites. So if you're someone that wants me to install a theme for you and change the colors, that's not the kind of work that, that we're interested in right now. There's a whole lot of people that will help you with that and I'll be happy to refer them out to you. So I try to be kind of clear about who we're right for, um, and my inquiry form on my site asks some of those questions. Um, I want to make the person have to do some work initially. So it doesn't just say, you know, what's your project? What's your budget? When do you want to start? It goes into questions like, you know, what are you hoping to accomplish by doing this? Um, you know, what are some measurable things that will tell us whether or not this project has been a success? So they need to kind of be clear in their minds about what it is that they're wanting to accomplish here so that I can be clear whether or not this is a project that I feel like I'll be able to deliver value on. Um, if their goals don't really match what I feel like I'll be able to deliver, I'm not a good fit for them. So by making them do some work initially, um, it sort of helps to weed out some of those um, 
maybe less than stellar, you know, um, inquiries or people that just aren't a good fit for me. Um, if they, if I get the inquiry and they, everything looks great and they seem like, yeah, there, this is a solid prospect. Then my next step um, would be a phone call with them. I always do a phone call, probably at least an hour long phone call. Um, and I do this unpaid because most, most clients that get to this step with me will sign. Um, budget is not a problem anymore. We've worked out the time frame is not a problem. They have um, clear, measurable goals and they're clear on what it is I can offer. So this is sort of just um, a phone call to see if you know we like each other. We're going to work well together. They don't have present any other red flags to me that make me concerned, that type of thing. So we'll spend some time on the call and we don't get into specifics there. It's more high level. What are we you know, wanting to accomplish here? Making sure that I'm clear on the the scope of the project and the requirements of the project. Um, and then after the phone call, if, if we both feel good about it, then I'll go through and, and do a formal proposal for them. Um, so I'd use uh, the Proposify um, software to do my proposals. I really like, like them um, and do a nice write-up. It had, contains the contract within the proposal and they can review that. And if they sign off, then, then they're a client. Um, I do 50% at signing and then they get booked in my calendar. Um, and then, um, and then I have some other steps. Typically there's a little bit of a delay from when someone signs to when they start with me a couple months usually. So I'll typically start up a base camp with them, give them some items to be working on in the interim so that when I'm available, we can jump right in, um, into the project together. So. No, definitely. That's, that's great, uh, information. Um, one thing that you mentioned, uh, too, is, is you have a partner, uh, that does the development and you just do the design and project management. Uh, you know, how did that evolve, you know, and how did you find, uh, you know, that partner and did you, did you go through a, a, a process where you, uh, maybe worked with other people, but it didn't work out or, you know, how did that come about? Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, initially, when I first came over to WordPress, I was kind of trying my hand at both design and development. I was not doing custom stuff. It was more of, you know, getting people set up with a theme, doing some light customizations. And that was sort of the, I had sort of tapped out at my development skills. I realized I could have, you know, learned a lot more and educated myself and become a much more skilled developer. But I just found that that's not really where my interests lied. I really was more drawn to the design and the problem solving end of things as far as working with clients and coming up with strategy. And, and I would imagine these great solutions for them, but I just wasn't equipped to deliver those things. So I sort of felt like I had hit a wall. And within that, I'd hit, I'd capped out at a price point that I really couldn't exceed because I was not able to offer people, you know, things beyond that. So um, I had another friend, she was also kind of in the same boat as me, sort of a designer, quasi developer. And she said, hey, I'm going to try my hand at hiring a developer, subbing out development on something on my next project. And she found Greg, I think through like Odesk or something, just some random, you know, thing and hired him on a project and she thought it went well. Um, and she said, I think, you know, this, this is kind of the way to go. I think, um, you should try it. And so I, on my, my next project, um, I had signed with sort of a larger blogger. She had a pretty good, um, she's pretty visible and had a, a really good readership. And I thought, okay, this is the project. This is the one where I want to, you know, make a splash. So um, I contacted Greg and subbed out development on that project to him. 
Um, and initially, I mean, it's a hit because a large portion of you know your profits are going to have to go to pay for development, which I wasn't used to. But you're able to charge a lot more for that project because you're able to deliver things that I would not have been able to deliver on my own. Um, so I tried him on that first project, and honestly, that that was it. I have never gone back to doing um, my own development. Um, initially, um, Greg was working for a lot of other designers as well, just sort of offering his services. Um, but as my business grew and, and I was able to um, command higher prices and these larger jobs, we've gotten to a point where he's pretty much solely works with me now, which is nice. I, I know it's, I know that I can, he's always there and I can rely on him um, for development on, on those projects. I did try, um, uh, a couple other developers came to me for design. So I have worked with a couple other developers, um, which it wasn't a bad um, situation, um, but it's just been great working with the same person, working with Greg. It's become almost where we have a shorthand between us with my designs. I don't have to be, you know, quite as complete or quite as because he's so used to the way I work and sort of you know knows what it is that I'm wanting to do here and he um, can sort of you know I don't know it's just nice when you work with the same person on enough jobs um, you don't have to kind of learn each other's languages again with every project so um, it's worked out really really well I've just been fortunate I know that a lot of other designers have tried this tried partnering with developers um, I think so much of it is just finding that right personality match and that right person that you work really well with. So, Absolutely. Uh, one last thing I want to ask you before we go to uh, our mid-show break is you talked about um, you were when you initially partnered up with Greg, uh, you had to budget more for de developmental. Um, but part of that is what allowed you to to raise your rates. Uh, what is the difference in perception between a solo freelancer and someone who has a team, even if it's you know two or three people? I think there is a perception that you're somehow more you know legit when you do have that. I feel like I can say, you know, that we're sort of an a, a small agency, but there does to be, seem to be some sort of weight when you have people within your team who are specialized. I can say like, I think it, it gives the clients confidence that, hey, I've got a designer and I have a developer. Um, and that's not to say that some people can't do both. There are, you know, those rare people that are awesome at both. Um, but I think it's great when you can kind of do more by doing less. So focusing down on what it is that you're really great at um, and then bringing people onto your team that can provide those really specialty services or, or whatever um, on the project, I think that does provide a lot of value. And the way that I handle it is that they are never offloaded onto Greg. Um, it's all done sort of under my umbrella. I'm their point of, of contact and communication pretty much throughout most of the projects. Sometimes Greg will communicate directly with them in the active development phase, but it's nice too. They don't feel like they're being outsourced or handed off to someone who isn't an invested you know, partner in this from the beginning. So I really sort of hold their hand throughout the whole process, which I think gives them a lot of you know, surety that this is, that the project's staying on track as well. Excellent. Uh, we're going to head to our break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking more with Emily White of Emily White Designs. See you after the break. 
Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back from the break and we're talking with Emily White of Emily White Designs. Uh, one more question before I hand it over to Jonathan. Um, when it comes to, um, you know, finding a partner uh, like that, say we were talking about like just a second ago is uh, with Greg, he works like under your umbrella. You're the point of contact for the client. Um, does that reassure like clients more than um, say if, if you were just like a designer uh, or a small design agency and you're contracting out to, you know, people that, 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 that the client never meets. I think so. Um, in the other circumstances I talked about where I had worked with other developers, that was done in more of the um, situation where they had contracted with a developer for just the development part of the project. And then he said, hey, here's a list of some designers I recommend. Go get your design you know, and kind of bring that back to me. And the project was really, I felt just sort of divided. I felt like I didn't really know what they had discussed as far as development. He wasn't quite sure what I, we were going to deliver as far as design. And I just felt like there was this kind of um, gap in communication between the two sides. And I did see some frustration from the client's end. Um, not really, because clients sometimes don't understand where's the overlap between design and development and, and who should I be talking to about this problem or this issue? And how is this going to impact, you know, they're, they're paying the developer, you know, something on this side, and then they're paying you on this side. And I just think when you can keep it as one sort of um, large project where both sides are communicating and both are sort of on board from the beginning, it does help to have a really sort of cohesive, good experience for the client. Um, that's been my experience. Oh, great. Jonathan. Oh, hi there, Emily. Um, Hello. So you said that you're um, recently you um, you've been working with a university. So that sounded a slightly different type of client. So how did you get that um, client, and um, what's the process been like compared to some of your previous clients? Yeah. So. I like to say that you should really kind of define your ideal client and that you'll be successful when you work with that type of client. But saying that, I think you do need to open yourself up to taking some risks or, or trying some things that are a little different. So when this came along, this was really just a referral from another developer. They they got the inquiry and it wasn't a good fit for them. So they said, hey, you know, check out Emily White Designs. And after talking with the um, director of marketing at the university who was in charge of, um, of hiring and, and this project, um, he, he actually was drawn to the fact that we were a small team and um, they had worked with larger agencies in the past. And he actually liked the idea that, you know, me, the one that's going to be talking to him about this project is the same person that's going to be doing design. And then he, we brought Greg on early on so he could, you know, get to know him and know who would be doing development. And so I think in our case, 
they were actually sort of attracted to that idea. Um, it's a smaller uni private university, um, uh, a small private graduate university. So the scope was much larger than what we had been used to, but was not overwhelming. And in kind of understanding their needs, Greg and I realized, you know, while the scope is bigger, what they really need is not all that complicated. And it's stuff that we felt confident that we could deliver on. Um, but it was definitely a, a learning process. Um, you, I think with a project of that size and scope, it's so hard to anticipate all of the things that are going to come along. So every part of my process was just a little bit different, a little bit more learning, some trial and error. Um, but they've been really great to work with um, throughout that process. We're kind of at the point now where they're finishing up adding content and stuff to the site and then we'll roll that out. But um, I think we've had to be more flexible throughout this. We can't be as specific with, okay, here's exactly what we're delivering because with a large site like this, a lot of times what they need doesn't get revealed until you're kind of knee deep in the process. So we've been had, we've had to be sort of flexible a little bit more with scope than I tend to be. Um, while still not, you know, taking on or letting the scope creep get out of hand. So it's been a little bit of a process of what is included, what is going to be considered a phase two to this, that type of thing. Um, so it's it's definitely been an interesting, interesting process. I don't know how ready we are to jump into another project like this right away, but I think we for sure have learned a ton on this, um, even things that will help our, our smaller projects um, as we go forward. So it's been a, it's been a good experience. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. Just yeah. Um, a challenge, but not extreme challenge. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it, I feel. Um, yeah. Um, the design process, um, do you focus on uh, mobile first and then desktop, or do you normally do desktop and then mobile? Um, I actually still typically do desktop and then mobile, although... I feel like the mobile considerations is always um, in my mind, even as I approach desktop first. So as I'm sort of designing, I'm always considering what this is going to do on mobile. Um, how is this piece going to work? How is this going to degrade? Um, you know, that type of thing. Um, most of our, our clients are still sort of at that maybe 50-50 split with some of these bloggers. So um, we have had a few projects where they've said, you know, mobile is our most important consideration here. And so we've approached it that way. But um, by and large, I'm still kind of considering desktop with, I would say, a heavy emphasis on on, on the mobile behavior and what, and what we're planning to have happen there. So, yeah. That's great. So... I'm only surmising this, and I might be totally wrong here. Um, a lot of um, designers, small agencies, um, one of the major problems they face is content provision. Um, I clients not providing content on the agreed timeline, um, and there's various mythologies in dealing with that. But I just surmised that because you're dealing with bloggers, um, they already have a lot of content. Am I correct in that? You are correct. For for the most part, um, that is one of the good things is, you know, they they have their content ready to go. There's always those pieces, though, um, you know, additional content areas on the homepage or perhaps a new page that we're doing for them where we do kind of need those pieces. Um, but, yeah, that's a, an issue we still run into. I've... Um, gotten better about sort of setting 
um, milestones for the client and saying, we will not move to this step until we have this type of thing. And, you know, I don't care if that means your project gets put on hold for a while. I always have multiple projects going at one time. So I will jump to someone else and, and people know, like if you, if you hold us up and your project gets delayed for weeks or even months, um, because I have to move on to something else, that's kind of the risk you run by not being ready. I feel like most of these people, they have adequate, um, uh, kind of warning that they know that I'm going to need this stuff. And typically for when they sign to when we start, there's even a few months delay. So I, that's the kind of thing that I, I mentioned that we'll start a base camp and I'll say, okay, here's the, your to-do items. Here's the things I'm going to need from you before, you know, I will start on design. And a lot of times content pieces are part of that. So if they don't have that stuff ready to go, a lot of times we'll just wait um, and I'll move on to something else. And then we'll hop back with them when they're ready to go. Um, oh, yeah, so I, I try to put the onus on them to get to get that stuff done. Well, I'm in no hurry. If they're in a hurry, they'll get it done. So yeah, right. Um, so basically, what benefit do you feel the blogger gets by having a totally custom design development job? In business terms, what? benefits do you think they they see and what benefits do you re value that you directly feel that you provide yourself and your team yeah so as i mentioned most of these people are um this blog is their sole source of income and a lot of them have sort of diversified their income with um affiliate products or, or they're selling books or they have courses so there are a lot of things kind of that are all part of their brand or all part of their business that need to be presented on this site so a lot of them will find that they will have been using some sort of pre-made theme for a while but they just sort of feel like they've hit um some pain points where hey i'm launching this new course but this theme doesn't really have a great way for me to you know present this in a you know to make this the feature of the homepage or, um, you know, I'm doing more and more affiliate marketing or affiliate sales for these products. And there's just not a great way to integrate that into the site. So they kind of come to me with some of these challenges, like here's where my business is at. Here's where our goals are. We're trying to move in this direction. And what's great is when you're working with a custom design, we don't have to go and look for a theme that we think will work and plug this stuff in there. We can try to like kind of imagine the whole of their business and then, what I do is we'll order their priorities or their goals and then make sure that the visual design of the website reflects those goals so that people are seeing the things um, and we're giving hierarchy and precedent to the things that, that will help them in their business. So for example, a lot of these bloggers um, do promote products um, and then you know get affiliate income from these products. So we've been designing a lot of these um, sort of recommended resources or shops, I put in quotes, cause it's not really a shop, but we use um, like advanced custom fields and we'll create um, a shop for them where in the back end, all the blogger has to do is go in and put in the product title, a short sort of editorial description about why they use this product or what they love about it. They upload a photo, provide an affiliate link but then on the front end, it's displayed in a really great sort of, you know, grid-based shop type layout. Um, and they're loving those. Like that's been a great tool for them to present these products or these things um, in a way that that their, their readers are really attracted to and engaged with. Um, 
but that maybe wasn't available to them, you know, in the theme that they were using. So that's maybe just one sort of example of, of something like a custom solution that we can kind of develop or design for them that helps kind of speak to their business goals. Um, I think sometimes too, it just is a matter of they've reached a certain point where they want to differentiate themselves from the pack. So um, they want the full branding package. They want that custom look. They want um, something that doesn't look like um, everyone else in their, in their little circles website. Um, so I think sometimes it can be um, not a vanity thing, but just a, maybe a status thing, or we've reached that level where, where we want that. So. Well, I wouldn't say it's vanity, you know, um, branding, you know, as a business um, is a differentializer, isn't it? So it can can really benefit the bottom line, can't it? If, if it's done in the right way, and I'm sure it is with you uh, as a partner. Um, It's interesting to ask them too, after a few months um, and we've gotten some actual, you know, numbers back or, you know, page views are up by 30% or my sales on this have increased. And I, I do ask those questions. I say, what kind of measurable results have you seen as a result of this new site? And I love hearing those things back um, and seeing, you know, what it's doing for them. So. That's great. Yeah. Um, So you've, you utilize Genesis. Um, Was you doing, utilizing that before your developer came on board and that's something you with your developer you decided to stay with or and what benefits do you feel that you get by staying with the genesis framework yeah so i was i was using genesis myself and then um i think specifically was uh uh attracted to working with Greg because that was a framework that he had chosen to specialize in as well. I think there's a lot of value in um, obviously using WordPress. We're all huge fans of WordPress. So you've got that community, but then within that, you've got this Genesis community, which I think is so great um, as far as you put yourself in a smaller pond then where you can really learn the framework well, but you also can work with people and network with people and see the, the awesome, you know, plugins or the code or what they're doing um, to Genesis and then implement those things. Um, so I just, I'm a big fan of sort of getting into a, into a smaller, you know, framework within WordPress, finding your community. Um, we have found that Genesis has worked great on all of our projects. We haven't really come up against anything yet that we felt um, we haven't been able to accomplish with Genesis. Um, and like I said, we've worked with some great, plugin developers or people in the Genesis community that have helped us um, on certain projects or certain, you know, custom functionality or things that we've wanted to accomplish. So it's just great to kind of um, have that community and that group to work with. Yeah, I think that was really well explained. You know, it's a well-respected framework. Um, I'm neutral about it. I'm, I've used it and other projects I haven't, but... Um, but I think in the area that you're dealing with, which total custom design, it probably is a very quality tool to choose. So what's the plans in the future? Are you happy staying at your level? Um, I think you indicated that you are really. Um, you seem to be in a really quite sweet spot professionally. Would that be right? Yeah, I think um, I am happy at this level. Um 
I like that we're able to be selective about the types of projects that we take on. Um, and I think, you know, we always want to continually push ourselves to, to learn new things or, de or deliver um, better work. And then hopefully our prices will inch up there a little bit as we go. Um, but yeah, at this point, no, no plans to, to really want to grow big or take on extra people or, or take over the world or anything at this point. We're pretty happy if I can, you know, keep steady, good, exciting work coming our way and, and keep myself and Greg busy, um, then I'm happy with that. So. so if you could go back like four years, four or five years and speak to Emily, um, be your own mentor, what, do they, what would be the key bit of advice you would tell yourself? Hmm. That's hard because I feel like so many, I feel like I am where I am because of the mistakes I made, right? <laughs> I mean, that's been the greatest teacher. Um, I don't even know. I don't, um, I think what the thing that I try to tell um, younger designers or people who are younger in their business is to really take themselves seriously and that your clients will take you seriously and treat your business like a business and treat yourself like a professional um, and your clients will respond to that. Um, I'm a huge fan of really great communication within a project. Um, I feel like there are, especially nowadays, there are so many people that can design as well as you, develop as well as you, provide sometimes the same product you can provide, but they can't provide the experience that only you can provide. And that's what I hear repeatedly from my clients is, what a enjoyable experience this was working with me. And that's not always the experience they've had with other, um, you know, providers and stuff. So, you know, that's where y your reputation is everything. And that's where you can really differentiate, differentiate yourself in the pack is by providing that, you know, quality experience um, for that client to really kind of set yourself as, apart from the rest. So. Oh, I feel like yeah. fantastic. Got any qu finishing questions, John? Yeah, just a finishing question, um, and we'll link this up in show notes too. Uh, you you had a presentation. It was uh, defining like uh, customers from heaven, not clients from hell, uh, clients from heaven. One one of the things that really stands out to me from that is defining your ideal client and how hard that can actually be, because I see so many. I, I think I actually suffer from it as well, and and I need to define like even more narrowly. Um, you know who it is I serve, but when it comes to defining your ideal client, what 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 are some good steps that people should take? Sure. So I think for me, my ideal client is not so much uh, maybe what industry they're in or what it is that they're writing about. It's some of those qualities. So um, I ask, I would ask yourself questions like, you know. Maybe it doesn't matter so much what the content is, but do you prefer, like I do, working with someone whose website is their business? And I have found that I prefer that type of client because I feel like they are um, more invested in the in the success of the project than maybe someone who has a brick and mortar store and then they've got to get this website up. That's not my ideal client. I, I have a, I struggle with people who are not fully committed to a project. So for me, that's like one area where I can sort of measure them. Um, you know, what, what level of involvement do you want from your client? Or do you want your client to have a certain level of, you know, tech knowledge or experience? I know some people love to train. They love to work people with people who are new to WordPress and they want to start with them from the beginning and train them and, and work with them. 
Me, not so much. I love working with a blogger who's already been successful, who's achieved a certain level of success, and then we can come in and push them to that next level. So for me, that's more my ideal client. Um, you know, what type of communication works best for you? I prefer, you know, while I, I will talk on the phone and like talking on the phone, I love a client who can communicate well in writing and who can be organized with their thoughts. So that's something that I look for. You know, with that inquiry form I put up, if someone gets that back to me and they have one sentence answers, to me, that's a red flag. This is not someone who is either willing to or can communicate well in writing. And that's going to be a little bit of a problem for me, you know, throughout the course of this project, because I really like that. So I would kind of envision, you know, think about your, your ideal project and then think about what was it about that client that made you love that project? Was it that you were super excited about the subject you were working on or was it the way the client communicated or was it, you know, and then kind of go from there. Obviously, I think there's just those baseline, you know, is their budget right? Is their time frame reasonable? Those things will weed them out. But then you got to ask yourself those other questions to see if it's a project that you really are going to get excited about. So. Nah, great advice. Uh, one last question. Uh, who else should we have on this show? Oh, um, let's see. So the friend that I referenced that initially um, led me to Greg, her name is Jenny Elliott. She has a, um, a site called The Blog Maven, and she runs courses actually for bloggers. She's a brilliant content marketer, strategist um and i think she would be an interesting um guest to have on she does some really cool stuff um and i've actually had a few of my clients that have gone through her process um and worked with her and they are ideal clients when they get to me they are focused they know who their audience is they know what their messaging is they know what you know so if you struggle with content and that sort of thing if you can get someone um, like Jenny to kind of help them crystallize what it is that they're even um, selling or offering. Um, she's, she's great. So yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh. Her name sounds familiar. So yeah. yeah, we'll have to reach out to her. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. Uh -huh. um, so Emily, how do we find you listeners? How, how do they get a hold of you? Um, so my website, emilywhitedesigns.com or I'm on Twitter at, M white designs. That's E M and then white designs. Um, it's probably the best way to find me. Very good. Jonathan, how do the people get a hold of you? Oh, it's quite easy folks. You can, um, Twitter me at Jonathan Denwood. I'm pretty active there. Aren't I John? Reasonably. Yeah. Active. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or you could email me. Um, I do read my email. Um, I won't get back to you straight away, but it'd be pretty quick. And that's at Jonathan at WP hyphen tonic.com. Excellent. And you can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. You can follow me on Twitter, lockdown underscore, and uh, go like my Facebook page. It's uh, just uh, facebook.com slash lockdowndesign for the WP Tonic. Uh, we're saying peace out, and we'll see you on this Saturday. We're going to have an episode on planning for large-scale products, so you don't want to miss that. Go to wptonic.com slash blab and you can sign up for uh to to uh 
ask questions live. Oh, so yeah, there you, you go. Can, you can, can't you? Please join us. Um, we love people joining us live on the Saturday show. You'll be able to ask the panel any question you like. Got a problem with WordPress that they will attempt to give you a logical answer, won't we, John? That's true, true, true. So tune in every Saturday, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard, uh, 12 noon Eastern Standard. So there you go. For WP Tonic, we're saying peace out. We'll see you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.